I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. I feel the need, the need for Steve. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Michael. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello and welcome to our brand new podcast, The Best Movies You've Never Seen. My name is Stephen Fennick. You can call me a total movie nerd. And I'm joined by my good mate, Trevor Long, who... We've named this podcast after. He hasn't seen many movies. So this is a really in- inspired by Trevor's lack of his movie experience. Trevor, how are you going? Really good, mate. I, uh, I lived uh, a sheltered life and I didn't see anywhere near as many movies as you did. Uh, not through lack of interest, perhaps just through um, lack of time. I don't know, but I'm absolutely looking forward to discovering a whole bunch of movies that I should have seen. Well, this, this podcast was inspired by, of course, you know us from our Two Blokes Talking Tech podcast, which has been running for more than 10 years. And we often often branch out on tangents talking about various things. And this this idea for this show came up uh, from a conversation we had about a couple of movies. I think one in particular, Sound of Music, which you'd never seen. And <laughs> th- that's, that's where the seed of this podcast grew from. But you basically can't believe that there's someone on the planet that hasn't seen some of the most iconic movies ever. Um, and I hope, frankly, that I'm not the only one. Yeah, I don't think. I think, yeah, you're not the Lone Ranger there. There's a lot of the movies, and we, we've got come, got a great list of films we're going to be going through each week. We're kicking it off, though, with – we're coming in hot, I think, with a, with a great film, The Godfather, now often considered by many, many movie fans as one of the best films ever made. It is my personal number one movie of all time, my favourite. I'm a tragic Star Wars fan, I know, but this has a special place for me. It is my number one film. It was was released in 1972, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, based on the Mario Puzo novel of the same name that came out in 1969. And how's this? Paramount purchased the rights to the novel after Mario Puzo had only written an outline about what the novel was going to be all about. So they knew from the get-go this was something they wanted to get on board. At the time, Paramount, the studio, was in a bit of trouble. They needed a hit, and they were hoping and banking that this was going to be it. So... I think uh, history has shown that it, it has been a huge, huge film. It was a really troubled production as well. There was a lot of stories we'll, I'll talk about a little bit later about things that went on behind the scenes, some things that were going on. No one ever envisaged the success. Next year is going to be the 50th anniversary of this movie, 2022. So it's a 1972 50th anniversary. I'm hoping that they will come up with a 4K edition. It's not out in 4K yet, but... Let's get to you, Trev. What we now? So we want to talk about your impressions yep. before your first viewing. So you'd heard of The Godfather. Yeah. So what were the things you knew of the film? So look, I knew it was cult. I knew it was big. Um, I knew about one of the scenes. There's an iconic scene which I'd heard about. Um, kind of, it's kind of the Star Wars thing. Where, like most people by now, know about the Darth Vader Luke relationship. If you didn't know, if you don't know that going in, you, you really have lived under a lock, rock. So I, I knew about that that iconic scene. My my mum's partner Gary is 
probably as big a fan as you, so I've I've heard it talked about a yeah. lot. Okay. But I guess it's just one of those things where I just felt like it was not going to be my kind of movie. And despite the fact that I'm, you know, I love these kind of stories, I just never got around to it. And so it was, it's really just this podcast that's pushed me into, into going there. And the, at the time it was hugely anticipated because you, you got to remember this novel was a massive bestseller. So the fact that it was coming to the screen was huge. And the reaction at the time, obviously re- the reviews were really good. It made a lot of money at the box office, but following the release of the film, there was a lot of, uh, they had a lot of Oscar nominations and this was the famous Oscars where Marlon Brando, who's the star, who is the godfather in the film, these are the Oscars where he declined the award. You might recall when he won the Best Actor Award, uh, an Indian woman, I'm talking like a native Indian woman, walked up on stage, says Mr. Brando turns down, declines the award, and then she spoke about the whole tr- dramas with the local oh, wow. in- the Indians. And it was a hugely controversial Oscars Oscars uh, ceremony. But I mentioned earlier about the troubled shoot. There was a lot of Francis Ford Coppola was a sort of sort of this this wonder young director who real hotshot director. There was all these these the roles that were a lot of famous actors were auditioning for the roles, and there was rewrites happening. And if you were a fly on the wall during that production, and they told you this is going to be one of the greatest movies of all time, they would have probably laughed in your face because there yeah. was a lot of dramas happening on the set. So. Look, I think let's dive into it, but for those of you who haven't seen The Godfather yet and maybe want to go watch it, this is your chance. This is what we call the last exit before the freeway. So if you haven't watched it, you can access The Godfather. You can stream it on Fetch. And Fetch is just the great way to watch movies. It's the best way to discover movies as well. They've got over 9,500 movies to buy or rent in the movie store, uh, as including all the latest uh, releases. Fetch gets them at the same time as Apple and Google and other platforms. Um, you can watch Fetch on your TV, your tablet, your phone, your choice of standard definition or high definition for most titles. A lot of people actually just choose SD to conserve bandwidth in a, in a world of streaming. And there's 4K available on selected new movies and, and worthy classics. But my favourite thing, Stephen, on the on the latest Fetch boxes with the latest Fetch voice remote, I can just click the button. I did this last night. I clicked the button and I said to my remote control, show me the Godfather. And it appeared on screen and Fetch gave me options. Do I want to view it in the movie store to rent or buy? Or it was available to stream on Stan. So I'm a Stan subscriber. I pressed the button, launched it, and watch The Godfather three hours, by the way. Yes, Stan, on, Stan, on my fetch movie, but we'll talk about that. But now that you've seen it, okay. Yep. Now, for those of you who are still with us, here's there's going to be a lot of spoilers. We are going to talk about the whole movie from start to finish. So now that we've seen it, and yep. those listeners that are still with us, what are your impressions? What was different now that you've seen it for the first time compared to your impressions of? Did it live up to your expectations? Look, it absolutely did. Now, I should I should clarify. I'm not. Um, I don't hate the genre. I mean, I've watched a lot of you know mafioso style shows, The Sopranos, Godfather of Harlem, a really recent one. I yeah. I love this the this area. Movies you you don't mind gangster movies. movies. Actually, yeah. don't mind them. Um. Yeah. So so it. It resonated beautifully because I actually saw a lot of storylines, you know, the five families and that kind of stuff that appears in other shows. So I was kind of immediately hooked in because of that uh, familiarity. Um, You know, it's, I guess the challenge for me is it is such an old movie. I do find myself kind of second guessing just the, the, the production, the shoot, you know, a lot of things about it, although it's nothing like what we'll find with other, you know, higher CGI movies. This is just, you know, just an old just great shoot. Acting, yeah. but Fun the, fact for you, mate. The yeah. word mafia is not said once in this film. Right. Not once is the word mafia mentioned in the and, movie. And why would that be? Because they, they, they internally refer to it as the family. Family, correct. Yeah, that's right. So he, he, you've seen the movie. Yep. What's your tweet? How would you tweet this? So what? Do you, how many characters have we got now? 240 characters? You're allowed, you're allowed a bit. Tweet, so. What would your tweet say if you – to to, to about- tell people to watch it, I think I would say if you love The Sopranos, if you're into Godfather of Harlem, forget that. Go back to the original and watch The Godfather. Set three hours aside. Brilliant, brilliant. So I'm in. Well, like I, I'm all in, and I. I in fact, I'm, I'm spoiler alert. I want to watch the 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 follow up. Oh, the sequel. Oh, we'll we'll be covering those. We'll be covering those. But <laughs> this was my. Oh, I would say my hundredth watch, and <laughs> I like it a little bit more each time. Uh, it's such a rich film. In not only 
the, the the quality of the filmmaking, but the performances are fantastic. The transformation of some of the characters, but the whole, you know, there's the Godfather who's the head of a family. It had a real Shakespearean feel to it. So yeah. it's like, it reminds me of, I don't know whether you studied at school, King Lear. Remember the, the play King yeah. Lear is obviously about a king. He's got three daughters. He runs a kingdom. It, was, it, it had that sort of Shakespearean quality to it. But here's another fun fact for you, mate. I remember watching, this was re- released in a restored version when it came out on Blu-ray. They oh. re-released it in cinemas. And I remember I was in the audience when they invited me to the to watch the restored film at the State Theatre. And in the audience, I was a guest of Paramount. In the row in front of me was Talia Shire, who plays the Godfather's daughter, and Gianni, Gianni Russo, who plays the, her, his, her husband in the movie. So I was watching them watch themselves, and I actually met wow. both of them. And wow. Talia Shire, if you're wondering where you've seen her before, a few years after this, she stars as Adrian in the Rocky films. She becomes yeah. she's Rocky's wife in those films. But let's you move just, on. With you, us- just before you move on, yeah, and I think this will be fascinating for people. You're watching a movie for the fiftieth or hundredth time. Yeah. When you say you discover new things. I mean, is that because you can essentially tune out from the overall storyline and see past the arc and see the detail? Like, what what yeah. are you seeing? I'm I'm seeing a lot of like, well, performance is the thing that you see first, but you you notice little things happening in the background. You notice that there is you know there's certain there's just a little subtle movement of the eye. One of the actors does something here. The way this camera move they make, and you remember this is 1972. So the, it was it was quite a technical shoot. Like I'll give you an example: the very first shot of this movie. Do you remember the Bonaceros in the in the office with the Godfather and the famous first line, uh, "I believe in America." And there's a slow. You see this guy's face for like two minutes, and the camera. You might not notice the camera is pulling back ever so slowly. It takes two minutes to go to full out, and then you see the Godfather's profile on the left hand side of the screen. Right. That's just. just well, really I'll give you two like, that I did notice, and yeah. and one of them was in the the scene in Italy, and I, I swear there was a movement, and I, maybe I maybe I was seeing it, seeing through it, but I swear there was a movement where there was a, a beautiful old house and a tree, and I swear the camera went up and in, like it did this thing because yeah. because the trees in the foreground, it did this thing where it it just gave different movement to the tree, uh, that blew my mind, and then weirdly. Um, a scene where they move from um, from a garden to uh, a cemetery <laughs> near the end. Yep. It felt like the fade from the garden to the cemetery actually put the the people that were standing out the front. It felt like it was such a slow fade. It put the people yeah. at the front in the garden and then moved them there. It was this weird thing. I just it I actually rewound it and went. That was interesting. That was awesome. Now there are some good transition scenes. We'll talk about one in, uh, after one of my favorite uh, the memorable scenes in a minute. But let's look at the cast. The cast yeah. of this movie. Marlon Brando was at the height of his powers here. And uh, another fun fact about Marlon Brando, he famously didn't learn his lines for this movie apparently there were there were cue cards all around the set and there's a famous i've got i own a few books about the godfather the godfather the annotated screenplay the godfather legacy both great books there's a great shot of robert duval who plays tom hagen who is standing opposite um marlon brando and he he is wearing a cue card so on the front of his, on the front of his, like the shot was just his neck up, but from below his neck, he's where there's a cue card for Marlon Brando to say, but you you couldn't pick that he was reading off a cue card. It was a tremendous performance. But look who else is in the cast: James Kahn, Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, Talia Shire, John Cazale, who was Fredo. These are they're on they're sort of at the start of a, of their well, trajectory. That's just what amazing. I was going to say to you. Um, I know that Marlon Brando. Star was kind of at the height, but like Duval, so young in this co- yeah. comparatively to his career. I looked at him going, so he's not like stupidly young in this, but it just shows how his career has just progressed in, in what are quite frankly, his, his senior years. It's, it's fascinating to watch that. And yeah. the Al Pacino thing, man, I've got to be honest with you. And I, I will get to this in the middle of moments. It was a while before I realized it was Al Pacino. Yeah, right. Like his his well, his transformation in this that that's one of my favorite his arc in the movie is incredible from the guy who really didn't want anything to do with the family to running the show at the end of the movie but 
he he was saying, and, and through these books that I've read, he was of the impre- of the opinion that he was doing a bad job. There was this oh. this impression that, that he was expecting a tap on the shoulder to say, "Mate, you're not very good. We're going to replace you." He he said wow. he had well, he had this amazing insecurity. When you look at his performance, though, you think, "My God, it's amazing!" But yet he had this insecurity about him as well. So, wow. but I but I actually think knowing that. And this is what's interesting about having these facts is I think knowing that and looking back at it, I think that actually played into the character because the character didn't want to be in that part of the family, didn't yeah. want to have that role. And essentially, even when he had the role at the, the, as the head of the family, it wasn't, I guess, respected by everyone around. And so yeah. that insecurity, if it was there, actually played into it. Yeah, it's re- remarkable. That, that's what I like about it. His, his transformation in this film is incredible. But anyway, let's move on, though, to the memorable scenes. Let, you, you can kick it off. What was the first? We'll try to keep the scenes in the order of the movie, but yep. what, what was one that stood out for you early so, in the movie? So I made notes just as I went along, things that made me think about the movie as opposed to the plot. And the first one was actually, I thought it was fascinating because there was a lot of time while I'm sitting there going, who are these people? What is? I know what's broadly going on. But they're in, at the wedding... Uh, Michael arrives late. Um, he's in his he, he's in his army uniform. He's sitting with his girlfriend, and he explains his family to his girlfriend the story of the record contract. Yes, and it was at that moment Johnny where he Fontaine. learned. Yeah, just mate, just that little tiny scene at the table. You learned so much about yeah. this whole well, family. I I noted that as well. That was one of my things. And the word I wrote here was there was a lot of exposition. This was a, a chance for them, for you to learn who they were. You learned that there's no and a Sicilian can't refuse a, a favor on his daughter's wedding day. Yeah, have you been to a Sicilian wedding, mate? I hope I'm invited to a Sicilian wedding. I'm going to be asking for lots of things. But <laughs> that, uh, that was remarkable in itself. But. Just the sheer scale of that wedding too was just like, you know, yeah. have you ever been to an Italian wedding? They're they're big, they're big occasions. Yeah. I've been to a few myself, so it was good that that well, that was uh, this real big start of the movie started in a really big, big bold way, and also though, as you said, explained kind of the machine how it works, and yeah. I, I love that story where he's explaining goes, my father went with the band leader, and the famous line that he says first, by the way, one of the quote we'll get to, but he made him an offer he can't refuse. Michael says that more often in this movie than the Godfather does. So he says that a couple of times. Marlon Brando only says it once. Yeah, right. Moving right along, I reckon the my next favourite scene was the well, the the whole. This was sort of a turning point. So the whole meeting with Solotso. So so before this meeting, there was the talk about you know the white powder. They're they're thinking he's. At the moment, the family's invested in, you know, they've got the, the olive oil business, but they've got their gambling, women, you know, yep. all these things that are what what the Godfather calls harmless vices. But yep. he he's asked to to back this venture by Salozzo to get in, invest in the drug business. And yep. so James Khan speaking up saying, oh, you mean he, he sort of gave up, he showed his hand a little bit to say, Oh, he showed his interest. He showed his yeah. interest, and that's that's that sort of brings on kind of the next scene that I was going to talk about is the hit on the Don. Salozzo knew that the family was interested. the The impediment was the Godfather, so that's hence the reason why they tried to shoot kill kill the Godfather because this is business, not personal. This that, that's the line that was remarkable in itself. You miss the horse's head, though. No, but that's coming later. That's later. No, that's coming. They've shot. They've shot the oh, dog. No, they, they, yeah, they have too. They, the horse head as well. But that, 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 uh, that's so the, the, the meaning about the drugs was yeah. unbelievable to me because you learnt uh, again. You keep learning about how to be part of the family. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like he, he. They had this meeting and the look, the look from the don, and then he sends up. He says, "Listen." You never speak against the family. You never yeah. speak your mind. And never let anyone think outside about of the outside family. of the family. No, it's true. Know. That was true. And now you're right. We'll go. We'll we'll step back in time where the whole from the wedding. Remember, Johnny Fontaine turns up and says, "Oh, look, this part." I want to get into a movie. And I like, I like how when he goes, he goes, "Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know." And then the don the don blows up. It says, That's "What true. do you mean? You can start acting like a man." And he he sends um to sends Tom Hagen to 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 deal with Waltz, the head of the studio. And then, of course, you're right, leads us to the most probably. I reckon this is probably the scene that people know about, even without watching the movie. And this is so when I referred yeah. to it at the start, without spoiling it, this is the scene yeah. I meant. I've, I knew about the horse's head, yeah, but I had never seen it. Yeah. So 
if someone, if I was on Millionaire and they said, you know, what's the most famous scene in The Godfather? I'd, I'd pick the horse's head, right? But man, that was some epic. Uh, it was an epic shot because when they first came into the bedroom, like you know, kind of zoomed in on the bed, you're thinking, I, I thought, is that is that the head in there? Like, because you know, I knew there's it was a happening. lump. It's like this blump at the end of the thing. But actually, the what I was looking at was just the dude, and he was strategically kind of on his side and up, and you're like, yeah. oh, and then he pulled the blanket back. You're like, that's just him, and then. There's just a little bit of blood. blood and then yeah. he pulls it back and there's a pool of blood. Yeah. And, oh, man, I just thought that was so well done. Well, you can remember, but when Tom – see, Tom Hagen's gone to try to help him, to convince him to give Johnny Fontaine the part in the war movie. Yep. And he said, look, I can make your union troubles go away. One of your stars is moving from, from heroin. And, and he was sort of thought he was being muscled. But then do you remember when he took him home? He goes, oh, why didn't you tell me you work for the Corleones, Tom? Took, takes him back to his house, shows him the horse. Remember, Khartoum yes. was the name of the horse. Paid In the, in the film, he says he paid 600000 for the horse, and he wasn't even going to race him. So he showed his love for this horse. So that's Well, he did the, say, though. He did say, I'm not going to race him. I'm going to send put him, him to start, start. which right. is much more lucrative in the horse yes. game than racing. Well, it, uh, the horse head in the bed, well, he got the – and that's, remember <laughs> you were talking about the transition? Do you, remember, do you remember the bit when he sees the horse and he's just screaming at the top of his voice? And the, the next shot is the Don with this sort of little grin on his face at the start of the Salozzo meeting. He's sort of, you know, this this is this is how far he can he his powers reach. Yeah. Well, let's move on. I reckon another really memorable scene for me was this is sort of where Michael now comes into his own. Is when the Don's in hospital. Uh, Michael turns up. All the all the guards have been told to go away by the police, by the police captain, and yep. Michael sort of has to take charge. He tells the nurse, "Stay here. Uh, yes, look, the people are going to come here. They're going to come here to kill. You know who my father is. They're coming here to kill him. Yep. So he takes charge. It's, it's at that moment I reckon that he he that the the switch he flicks the switch and says, moves his dad into the other room and says, "Don't worry, dad, I'm with you now." That, well. That, I know he's with him physically, but him saying "I'm with you now" indicated that I'm in. I'm in the. I'm going to help you now. Well, you'll find this fascinating, and we should be clear. You know, you you can't see my notes. I can't see yours. My next note after the Don being shot said, "The moment Michael told his girlfriend to go home, right? So Michael's heard that his father's been shot, um, and this is just before he goes to the hospital." Yep. Uh, he tells his girlfriend to go home, which means, you know, back to yeah. where she came from. Back to New Hampshire. And I wrote a pivotal change in his character. There you go. Because that's the moment where he goes, oh, I've got I've got to be invested now in my father and my family, not in you. And I like that is that you're right, that combination, that 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 yeah. whole scene there was was pretty critical. And the next thing I've written is only after what what is next what next happens, which is a, a fight out the front of the hospital with the police, that's the moment I realised it was Al Pacino. Ah, there you go. Well, he gets his jaw broken. The police captain stands him up, breaks his jaw. But during this whole time, you've got to remember, the Don's in hospital, yep. sort of the family's weakened. The, the, Solozzo thought that the, the Don was dead. Remember, he they kidnapped Tom Hagen and said, the, the Godfather's dead. You need to meet the, make the peace between me and Sonny. Sonny, who's a hothead to begin with, was just wanting to just knock off all all his rivals. But he said, "Yes." Tom Hagen says, "Oh, yes, you can stop me, but no, nothing's going to stop Luca Brazzi." Mm. You remember Luca Brazzi went to the bar; they kill him as well. And the famous—that's my next memorable scene—is when they receive the package, where they receive the the bulletproof vest with the fish inside it. This is a famous Sicilian message. Sicilian message. Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. And Michael, they said, James Kahn, before the package came in the room, James Sonny says to Michael, call, try Luca Brasi again, will you? When they brought in the package and the fish inside, you see Michael put the phone down. <laughs> he doesn't need to call him. See, he I'll tell you what's fascinating about that that scene where uh, the Don tells the guy to go to the other guy and he stabs his hand and they bash him up and kill him. I actually couldn't tell you who the other people were. Mm. Like I it, I hadn't put all that together. Lotso was the guy there. Like I knew it was someone Tatalia. else. Tatalia, who's one of the, the son of the head of the other families, Tatalia and Solotso. Remember they were in together? Sure. But what I'm saying is as I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, so this is one of the other families has killed this guy. That's kind of all I had. I hadn't connected all the drug stuff as well. So yeah. It's the, the, which is why I can understand how you can watch this thing multiple times. There's so yeah. many little extra it is learnings. Yeah, there's a lot of little side plots and little things that happen. But 
it, it really the the flow of the story is real. I don't think there's ever a dull moment in this movie. It, it's it, the three hours. I don't think you could cut a minute out of it. I no, think I think you you could. all of it. I won't lie, <laughs> we'll, I, but, we'll, but not a lot. Yeah, oh, it's you just tighten it up in some. Place. But what it is is it's cinematography. It's it's longer longer scenes, and I'm talking minutes, not hours. Yeah. Um, that that just add to the value of the movie as opposed to the story, and I think that's where yeah. the difference is. Now I don't know how far you're going to jump ahead, but I'm going to, for my next moment, I'm going to the restaurant and yes. the and the and the search for the gun. So they've made an agreement that Michael's going to go and perform this hit. Well, Michael says it. Michael says, you know what? I'll do it. Yeah, and and and, he, and then I love the line when when Sonny says to him, "Goes this isn't the army where you shoot them a mile away. You got to get up to them closer, go." But I mean, you got their brains over your nice Ivy League suit. So and he says no, and then he uses that line again. He goes, "No, this isn't personal. This is business." Yeah. So yeah. he uses that line again, and again, Michael's getting deeper into the picture here, where he has to what a what a thing he has to act. But in terms of his, as you mentioned earlier, his arc, this was the moment. My note here is I got nervous when he was in the bathroom looking for the yeah. gun. And again, it was scripted and, and shot beautifully. It yeah. wasn't just he reached up and grabbed it. He reached up and he, he reached around a lot. So my first thought was, yeah. crap, it's not there. It was <laughs> it was written and, and, and performed to make the audience think for 10 seconds that the gun was not there and therefore this hit was not going to happen. But then he yeah. reached up again in the middle and it was there. So... You know, and also he didn't do it exactly as he was told. He was told to no, just walk out and down shoot. Again. Well, you, you'll know, and this is from coming from multiple views of the movie. When he sits down again, and even before he goes in the bathroom, I should mention, when he goes into the bathroom, there are several times in the film where they speak Italian. Yes. And there are subtitles. Yes. But in this particular scene, he it's says, maybe he says to the police company, he goes, I'm going to talk to Michael in Italian. And he goes, yeah, no problem. There were no subtitles. It was just them speaking yeah. Italian, but you could pick up the gist of it. The gist of it was that Salozzo was saying, he was saying using Italian words like Antica, your father, this and that. He was basically saying the way of the way that your father does things, that's old school. Yeah. We need to do things differently. And so you even with you even without the subtitles, you knew what was going on. And then he yeah. finally breaks out into English. He says, Look, I want leave I don't want I don't want my father left alone. And then he pulls out the gun and boom, boom. The perfect execution. So where do you go after that? This is what's fascinating Mine, well, to me because it really I'll, does ramp up at this point. It does. Yeah. Well, the the thing, and they said before this scene, they said, well, look, you're going to have to go away somewhere where they can't, no one will know where you are. They can't find you. So what, what I've done, I've grouped the whole, the, he goes to Sicily. So I've, that's my memorable scene is that whole time in Sicily. So yeah. he's got a couple of bodyguards. He's in a house. Uh, Don, Don Tomasino is sort of his contact with America and he's looking after him and he meets his Apollonia meets the girl who originally he insults the father by thinking, oh, I saw this woman. She was beautiful. Well, she was wearing a purple dress. And he goes, oh, geez, that was his daughter. He was insulting yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, no, nah, bring him here. And they have they they become, they start the courtship and under the, the supervision of the family, they get married. Yep. And this whole sequence, though, it's it only, I think it's about 20 minutes of the movie, 25 minutes of the movie. Uh, I, I'm not sure how much time has passed. I think we're talking 12 months has probably passed in this time because they said at least a year is going to be away. Yeah, I felt like it, it was it was not that long at the start because he still had the bruise on his face and yeah. things like that. So I felt like it was only months early, but I felt like the whole thing to where he's essentially going home might have been within the year, so not a full year because it was like he should have come home after yeah. a year. And you've got to remember too, during this period, so obviously there's flashbacks, flashback to the U.S., and this is also where Sonny gets hit. Well, Sonny, so I was just going to say, my yeah. the, the because you've grouped the Sicilian thing, my, there's two things that happen here which are critical. And again, I've written in capital letters, oh my goodness, in, in other words, they kill Sonny in yeah. the most brutal way. And then almost straight after that, I'm like, oh my God, they killed the Italian wife. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a brutal, like... Well, 15 it, minutes of the show. It is. It is. It's a shock. That's, that's one shock after the other. And I remember the, the even, even watching it for the hundredth time, watching Sonny get shot on the causeway is, is, is just really jarring. But also too, this innocent victim, Apollonia was going to make, they said, oh, she's going to make a great American wife. And just yeah. goes to show just how the tentacles of the, of this, of the, of the mafia reach everywhere. But, and they got, they got to him there as well. Also, in, in scripting and character work, the bodyguard who, you know, runs away in guilt because clearly he was involved in the hit. Well, remember he asked me at the start, he goes, boss, are you going to be driving, boss? He goes, yeah, it's me. He goes, no, Apollonia's going to go to her mother's house where it's safer. 
But then the other bodyguard says, oh, no, she wants to surprise you with it because remember she was learning how to drive? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing, even knowing what's coming, you, you still, your heart goes out. But the the whole, that whole sequence was, again, another a, a huge, I think probably the most beautiful part of the movie, really yep. modestly yep. shot. You've got a nice big widescreen TV, I think, even in HD. It's not on 4K yet, but it is really nicely done. One thing I've noticed too is that the movie has a certain tone to it. It's sort of, it's got, it's got like a not like a coppery tone. It's not, it's not a bright movie. Yeah. You notice a lot of the scenes are dark. It's a real dark, darkly shot movie. Yeah. But the scenes in, in Sicily were, were brilliant, but. See, what, the fascinating you know, thing for me after the, after the explosion of the car was, it was a very rapid fast forward to Michael being the head of the family at that point. Yeah. Like, well, it, yeah, well, it, it just shot ahead, didn't it? Don, well, the Don comes home from hospital, so he's sort of back. He's back in the in the picture. Uh, then, then we see where Michael has decided to. He's met Kay again. Remember, he meets Kay. He goes, "Oh, he says she said, how long have you been back?'" She says, "Oh, a year, longer, I think." So now, from the start of the Sicily sequence to now, you're it's probably talking two job. and a half to three years have passed. Yeah, so that sort of had a lot of time for Michael to establish himself as now the head of the family, and then now they're talking about the move to Vegas, to Nevada, and how they go to meet Mo Green. I think that that's a that whole Vegas sequence too. Fredo's already there. Yep. Fredo's there. Casino negotiations. The you know? The, yeah. And this is the time that scene in Vegas too is when he uses the term the second time. Uh, I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. So remember he says, "Oh, Mo Green's going to yes. sell us a share of the casino." And Fredo goes, "Yes, Mo loves the business. He never told me anything about this." He goes, "I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse." So yep. you know, hang on, something's going to happen there. So that really establishes Michael as. In that sequence where where Fredo almost sort of takes the side of Mo Green, and and he says Michael says to him, he goes Fredo, you're my brother and I love you, but don't ever take sides against the family again. Which again was a flashback to the drug negotiation with the Don. It was basically Michael's way of pulling Fredo into line in the same way that the Don pulled Sonny into line at that yeah, other meeting. Don't you exactly think? Exactly right. Yeah, that's true. Exactly right. So here from well, I don't know what your next memorable scene is, but in the my garden. One, the garden with the Don, with the with his grandson. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, I, I wrote he's losing his mind. So you could cl- clearly see there at that point that he's he's starting to Repeating lose. Repeating himself, yeah. 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 You know, Apparently, clearly, a bit of trivia, that scene, the script was written, by the way, by Mario Puzo, who wrote the novel, was co-written by with Francis Ford Coppola, the director. They wrote the script. Right. The my understanding is the scene with Michael and 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 the Don in the garden where he's asking me, "Are you happy with your family? How's your boy? He looks more like you every day." That scene was actually written by someone else. I think uh, William Goldman. Maybe I might be wrong, but another screenwriter came in to sort of right. to to troubleshoot that scene, and it turned out really well. Like the the Don saying, "Look, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself," but uh, he goes, "Men men can't be careless. Women and children be careless, but men can't be careless." Yeah. And and he kind of had a re- sense of regret to say, I I thought I would I wish for something different for you, you know, Senator Corleone, yes, Governor Corleone. He sort of said, you know, I'm sorry that you've ended. Him basically saying, look, mate, I'm sorry that you've ended up like this. And then Michael assuring him, yeah, it's okay, Pop, I, I can handle it. And the last thing I wrote was it was a combination of the the funeral scene and and that garden meeting with Michael. I wrote that it was a it was a critical line that the Don essentially hours or minutes before his death, said to Michael, yeah. the person who comes to arrange that meeting, yeah. he's a traitor. And he was right. He, uh, the, he wanted to arrange the meeting with uh, with Barzini, and it was Tessio. Tessio was one of his – well, there was Clemenza, who's one of his, his, one of his capos, and, and, and Tessio was his other soldier, so they had their own little group of their crews. But uh, old Tessio. But my last scene, and this is a massive scene, is where I've just written – settle the family business yeah. so michael's agreed to become the godfather to connie his sister and carlo's son and this is the scene where he's in church he's got an alibi he's in church acting as the godfather and where he kills all the heads of the five families yeah in a bridge was that how did for, for a first time watch how much of a shock was that where he just wiped everyone out it was a massive shock because i assumed it was about killing the traitor so I'm like, oh, that yeah. dude's gone. Like, it, that's that's going to be a problem. Um, yeah, no, that there's see, and that's the great thing. The the funny thing about this movie being so iconic, so old, and again, we talk about Star Wars. Like, there's so many things that are just spoiled about that movie. Yeah. There's, no, I had no idea about what happens yeah. in this movie. The plot of this movie 
was unknown to me. And I think that's actually why it's a great thing to watch first time now. It's completely, yeah. legitimately surprising, many of the scenes. Okay, have you got any other scenes? We're going to move on. No, I ended, you, it, I ended it at the... At the, at the Settle the family business, yeah. of course. Now, uh, we're going to talk about the... Did you catch the line? Your favourite quotes here, and we've, we've already mentioned you can't really go past. I'm going to make him an offer. I, I didn't even realise it was the first quote in our in our intro as well. Isn't that funny? It's the first yeah, quote in the first movie. But, you know, I'm going to make him an offer I can't refuse. I, 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 that's clearly iconic because, again, both the Don and Michael say it. Yeah. I think that 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 really sets the movie you know it's this handover of power um to be honest that was the only thing that stood out for me the other the other quote that i really love is in the first scene when he's talking to bonacera who's the uh the undertaker who wants the justice for his daughter who was smashed up by the guys and he the, the the whole crux of that scene was that look you never came to me for counsel you never wanted to be my friend but now that you need my help you want to be my friend yeah and then there was this great line where he says he goes if you had to come to me in friendship these, the scum that ruined your daughter will be suffering this very day. And he says, if an honest man like yourself makes an enemy, then they become my enemy, and then they will fear you. That's one of my favourite quotes yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. The other, the other we mentioned as well was the uh, uh, Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. That's uh, I've seen that like made uh, the parodies of that in other films. Yeah. Uh, my other favourite too. I don't know whether you picked this one up. Was when they discovered that Paulie was sick on purpose. So the old that's when they made the shot. Remember, Paulie wasn't the driver that day. Fredo says, that's okay, Pop. I don't mind driving the car. Paulie's sick. He's a good kid. Yeah. And they decided, ah, oh, Paulie, oh, we're not going to see him anymore. That famous line, which did you hear, had you heard this line before, where he shoots Paulie and he says to the guy, leave the gun. Take the cannolis. <laughs> I did hear that. Yeah. I thought it was that's, that's a very famous, <laughs> famous, famous line. Leave the gun, take the cannolis. My other favorite is uh, where Michael's interrogating Carlo at the near the end of the movie, and he says, "But don't," he says, "Don't tell me you're innocent, because it insults my intelligence." Yeah, that I thought was one of the first times I'd heard that in a movie. They're my favourite lines. Did any others stick out for you, mate? No, mate. I, I think that's the challenge with with watching something first is unless it's an iconic line globally. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how how lines like that jump out, but no, I, the, make him an offer you can't refuse is one that sticks with yeah. me. The thing about it is now, though, hopefully those things now stick with me as I, I start to remember those where they came from. I would never have known where that came from if it was a question in a quiz. The other, that's the other thing I want to say to you too. Like you, you're, you're a big Seinfeld fan. You're probably a fan of The Simpsons and all these shows that refer to these iconic movies. Like I, I, It reminds me of my children who laugh at The Simpsons and people who laugh at Seinfeld but don't get the reference. There yeah. is a Seinfeld episode where he mentions the Don, mentions the Godfather. Right. There is a scene and the very end of the movie, do you remember the very end of the movies when he asks um, – the the Michael's asked by Kay Michael, did you kill did you kill Carlo? And he says, look, don't ask me about my business. And he goes, I'll ask, I'll let you know this one time. And he yeah. says, no, he lies to her, obviously, right? Well, she he walks off. Him. She walks off to making them a drink. Remember that? Yeah. And then Michael's in the room. They're kissing his hand. That, you know, Godfather. He's the Godfather. And then a famous last shot is the door closing. Closing, yeah. And you see that. And they Seinfeld replicated that. Seinfeld, you watch that episode. I'll try and find out the episode. There's a scene where they shut the door and Kramer's sort of behind there going like this and the door shuts on him like that. You okay. you, you watch that. Remember, he goes, oh, look, they massacred my boy. Remember he he hurt his pinky? I'll try and find the episode, but you now that you've watched The Godfather, you'll have an appreciation for that okay. as well. All right. Anyway, let's move on to the section that I have to call, how did that happen? Some plot holes here, okay? okay. My first one is – why wasn't Fredo shot with the Don? Remember, Fredo was there. The yeah. Don was with him. Why did Fredo survive? Did they know that he was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a lightweight? That they they thought, nah, we don't need to get rid of him. So he survived that. He didn't suffer. He didn't. There was no injuries to him at all. They yeah. just focused on the Don. So he got away with that. I I've always questioned that. With all the times I've watched this, I've always wondered about that. My other my other question too is. And this is kind of a two-parter here. Carlo was the obviously turned into this sort of abusive husband for Connie, was bashing her. I remember yep. the first time he yep. got pushed up and and Sonny saw the sister, you know, Connie with a black eye. Yep. My first question is how the hell did he get away with doing that more than once? Oh, that's true. Because how did that happen, right? Yes. 
But the second part of that was kind of led up to this part where Sonny getting shot at the toll booth. And it was it was rather convenient for Sonny, who's a hothead, to blow his top to race off by himself without a bodyguard to confront him. Well, so I here's here's how I read into that. So the 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 beating uh, at at the sister's house was the reason he got the call to go round there, and he, he he went as a hothead as a brother. He was going to look after his sister. He was but remember it happened twice though. The first time it happened, he went and bashed the hell out of uh, out of Carlo. Understand, but that's right. what he was going to do again, right? He was going right. to bash him again, and he got in the car and drove away. But remember the um the lawyer. Duval's character, Tom Hagen, yeah. Tom says, "Go, go," and they all got in the car behind him. So when no, they said, "Go after him," but yeah, you remember though, but they the, went after him, but they they were nowhere to be seen. Like if they went after him, why were they not? This what I this is the plot hole I had there was he's at the toll booth for you know thirty seconds before hell breaks out. How are they a minute behind? Yeah, but the, it was just it just seemed to me like because you cast your mind back, there was another scene where remember how Sonny was knocking off the bridesmaid as well. Remember he was. Yeah. Yeah. He, at the wedding, he, he he was there, and then he went to her apartment. Do you remember? He went to her apartment at the height of the war, and in the apartment, you'll notice that there were people all up the stairway guarding yeah. him. So he was so careful in that instance, but not so careful in this instance. Just goes to show, I guess, I guess what a bit of a hothead he is. Okay, my other my other question is, and this goes back to probably the, one of the most famous scenes of the movie: Who put the horse's head in the bed? Who did that? It wasn't Tom Hagen. I don't think. No, he's not a. He's not a muscle. Hack off a horse's head and put it in the bed. So they've obviously had someone come in, someone pretty good and quiet that can do that. Oh, right. So I, I don't question that because I, I, I see that as an indication that the family has people everywhere. They can reach you everywhere. Yeah. That's kind of says, look, we can do everything, anything we want. Yeah, that's, that's what that says. Yeah, you've got a horse worth ridiculous money at the time because you've got to remember. Six hundred grand in the in in the scene where this is set is is crazy money. It's amazing. So yeah. so I think it it does make that point. The other the other one, my last one is when Michael settles the family business. Right, amazing scene. But doesn't that go against what the Don promised at the meeting of the five families? He said, "I swear on the on the on the lives of my grandchildren that no one in this room would they're not going to do anything." So did it did it take the Don dying for Michael to say, right, I'm doing it my way? So it's sort of him settling uh, the family business, killing all the members of the five families, the heads of the five families, really goes a total backflip on what the Don promised when he was trying to bring Michael back from Sicily safely. It kind of goes against that, doesn't it? So, But it does. I think the fact that the Don dies and Michael takes over, he waited, don't forget, it's, he waited to do all that until after his father passed away. It's like literally – the, the moment where it all changes for the family. That, that's simply well, what it is. I think what, it's what kind of mean. fight or flight kind of re- reaction, I reckon. Yeah. Okay, Nick, moving on, we're going to talk about the things you might not know, okay? Here's a really cool one. Now, you remember remember Luca Brazzi at the wedding? Remember he was there, he was trying to recite his lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he was talking to the Don, he was sort of flubbing his lines and yes. was was not getting it right. I thought it was a brilliant bit of acting to f- to flub it in that way in well, the in the scene. It's funny you should say that because actually, the actor who played Luca Brasi is a guy named Lenny Montana, and apparently he was so nervous acting in front of Marlon Brando in a scene huh. with Marlon Brando that was him for real. That's how he was acting in front of Marlon Brando, and the director Francis Ford Coppola said. I'm leaving that in. That's brilliant. So <laughs> he kept that in. Because I looked at it and went, that's so well done. Yeah. Well, that was him being so nervous in front of Marlon Brando and the, it turned out to be gold. Wow. The other really cool thing you might not know is that the – remember the in the very opening scene where there's a cat in Marlon Brando's lap? Yep. Do you remember that? He's yes, I do. You, and you own a cat. I, you know what? You, you're a fan of cats. Yeah, I'm a fan of cats. Can I tell you just, just as a sidebar, the thing at that moment with the cat – and also several scenes um, where they were w- just walking indoors and stuff. It made me realize how much Foley stage work there was in this show, you know, yeah. because like the cat purring, the, well, the audio in this in this movie was so pristinely quiet with these very clear points. I thought uh, it was that, fascinating. That, I'm glad you heard that because that cat was never meant to be there. That was a stray cat that, that Marlon Brando decided to have in his lap. They actually had to redo a couple of takes because the cat was purring so loudly in that scene. 
Wow. So, well, hang on. The to... real, the real fact or nugget I want, if you've got it, question without notice, yeah. is the, just the the way he did his voice and and like yeah. what what did he pack in there? Was it well, chewing tobacco? What was uh, he? He apparently had cotton cotton wool in his in his cheeks. Right. And apparently, when he was when he not he didn't audition for the movie. He said, "Look, this is how I want to play him." He put these all these like these big wads of cotton balls in his mouth, and that sort of gave him the sort of the puffy cheek look, sort of that bulldog sort of look. Yeah. And that all obviously changed his voice as well. Yeah, so right. that's how we came up with that look. But nice. I've already mentioned the fact he had the cue cards all around the place. That was a pretty famous thing. Did you know Talia Shire, who played Connie, is the sister of Francis Ford Coppola? I did not. That's know. his sister in the movie. Now, my man George Lucas. Had a had a role. Your man, George. My man, George Lucas, who's the creator of Star Wars, and he was he was creator of Star Wars. (laughs) Francis Ford Coppola was like one of his mentors, one of his one of the people he worked closely with. He shot and directed this the mattresses scene. Remember they goes, well, we're going to go to the mattresses. Remember that montage where. They're all laying on the mattresses and all the headlines of the newspapers about McCluskey being corrupt. That section of the film was d- done by George Lucas, who would go on to create American Graffiti and, of course, Star Wars as wow. well. Uh, the other thing that you might not notice either is that when this film was turned in by Francis Ford Coppola, the 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 amazing reaction they got from uh, Robert Evans, who was the head of Paramount at the time, he said it was too short. <laughs> He said it needed to be longer. He needed to flesh it out. And wanted to see more characters. The initial, the initial cut he turned in was two hours and five minutes. But Robert Evans insisted, no, this has to be longer. I want more character. I want. I don't want you to cut things out. I want more character development, more action, more stuff in it. So Francis Ford said, sure, I'll do that for you. Wow. Um, the other thing was too that the, there is a version of this film, Godfather, and obviously they made Godfather Part Two, and I own this too on on VHS. I've got it. There's a there's a version of this movie called the Godfather Saga, which combines Godfather Part One and Godfather Part Two and puts it in chronological order. Godfather Part Two is a flashback where Vito Corleone is coming up in the world and Michael Corleone is already the head of the family. There is a version where all those scenes of Vito as a kid then go into The Godfather and then continue with Michael as the head of the family. They they sort of combined Godfather Part 1 and Part 2. They called it the Godfather Saga. Wow. Okay. Did you notice? There's a couple of little things. I'm just asking you whether you noticed this. I've already mentioned the fact the opening scene, that single shot was a two-minute zoom out wow. that was actually done on a computer rig. They had a, had a computer to, to pull the camera out slowly uh, for two minutes straight. One wow. shot, single shot. The other thing, did you notice a bit of a blooper where Sonny, when he turns up to, to smash up Carlo after the first time he bashed up Connie – Sonny has the biggest air swing in the world. You know, oh, he, I did he, see that. He punches yes. him, him by a foot. I thought that was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was a big air swing. The other thing, <laughs> too, did you notice the when when Tom Hagen and um, Jack Waltz, the house they were in, the Waltz house, they call it the Godfather house, right? This is a it's a, a mansion in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. It's uh, over like four acres. It's this massive home. It was also seen. In the, more recently in the film The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner oh. and Whitney Houston. That's Whitney Houston's house in The Bodyguard. It was also used by Beyonce in a music video. And John and Jackie Kennedy spent their honeymoon in that house as well. Wow. This movie went on – It was uh, the, the, the house, I should say, went on the market in the US in April this year. I don't know if it's sold, but the asking price was a lazy $135 million. US dollars. Well, you have to be doing very well. Right. Let's wrap it up, mate. What? So g- give me a, a rating oh. and how you'd recommend this film. For me, I'll tell you straight off, uh, I've already said this is my number one film for a reason. It's just excellent, all character, the way it's shot, story, it's got everything. It's a perfect 10 for me. How would you rate this and how would you recommend this to other people? That's a, that's a challenge, mate, because – a, it's the first. So it's like um, I always wonder how judges of anything uh, start because you, you've got to be careful. If I go 10 here, like it gives me no room to move in the future. Yeah. So there's no way. You, you, no, can't, you can't pick all the good singers first. You've got to leave some in the bank. Is that right? That's right. There's no way I can give this a 10. Yeah. I, I totally accept what an amazing movie it is. 
I totally accept everything about it and and have no drama recommending it. For me, it's it's an eight probably. Like, it's it's not my absolute favourite style of movie or you know so many parts about it. I, I you know it's it's also old and that's a, that's going to be a challenge for any of the older movies we talk yeah, about. It. Do you do you feel that is that something that you that sort of not prejudices your judgment because the fact it is an old movie is that something that sort of detracts from it or can you I, appreciate it for the time it was done? I I I I need to put my head in the space to make sure I appreciate it for the time because yeah. there was one moment where I was watching it and it was. But not only was I looking at the quality of it, but also just some of the 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 way it was shot. Thinking, imagine if this was shot today. And then I went, Oh God, no, that Could would be it, awful. Yeah. Because I, you got to remember, imagine they would destroy it because they it would try too hard. In nineteen seventy two was when it was yeah. released, but it was set in nineteen forty five. Is that That's what you're right. referring to? Is that what you mean when you say old? Yeah, uh, both, both. I'm talking about both okay. parts of it because I uh, I don't have a problem with the time frame. Yeah, uh, of the of the movie being set, yeah. but just it was the time set just it was after made. the end of uh, World War Two. So the war had just finished. Michael was obviously he served Some in there. Great in cars in it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, which great stuff. That's how I date a movie is which cars are in it. But look, <laughs> I, I, so for me, it's an eight out of ten, and I I just think that if any, and as I said at the start, it's a genre thing. You know, if you haven't watched this movie, but you've had you've had any fascination with movies around mafia families and this kind of activity, then yeah. Get all in, but you do. I I said to Stephen just before um, I watched it. I said, "Do I does this need my full attention? Like, there's times where I just need to do a bit of work. Uh, I I think this needs your full attention. Um, yeah. I, I just shelved everything and and essentially, you know, passed the work. It drew you in though. Eh? Like, it I, did. My message to you is, that, look, I'm hoping that this just grabs you and doesn't let go of you for three hours. And yeah. I think that's pretty much what it did, didn't it? It did absolutely. The, oh, put it this way: there was only one point where I checked how far into it I was, uh, and that was because I was getting nervous about time frame and work. And I went, "I've still got an hour to go, but I'm 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 fine for time." It didn't. F- Let me be clear: it did not feel like a three-hour movie. Yeah, no, it, it, it's. I, I agree. I, I don't think it's. Yeah, that, that's when you can tell a good movie when you, you you're not looking at your watch. You're yeah. thinking, "Wow, this is amazing!" But there it is: The Godfather. My favourite movie of all time, and maybe hopefully yours as well. The listeners I'm talking to, you might uh, have the same sort of feeling towards this. And I think the That's great the, thing uh, is that this, among many other movies, are the kind of movies you can find on Fetch. Um, if you haven't got a Fetch, you can pick them up at leading retailers or check with your uh, your ISP. Your internet provider might actually uh, have plans that allow you to get a Fetch in your home, put it up to your big screen TV, and you've got a world of entertainment at your fingertips or at your voice because you can have voice control. That's right. Well, that wraps up our first episode of the best movies you've never seen. We've covered The Godfather. Tune in next week. We're going to be to a movie that's a little bit more recent. We're going to be talking about Sully, the film based on uh, Sullenberger, who who uh, crashed or landed the plane in the Hudson. Uh, starring I, still, I know Hanks. I know the story because I'm a news buff, so I know exactly yes. what the story is, but I have no idea what kind of the backstory is and, and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, so I'm looking forward we'll to that be, one. We'll be talking about that next week so hopefully you can join us and hopefully you might have uh, might watch the movie even before that so you can join us for the whole show instead of getting off at the last exit before the freeway but been great having your company trev great that you i'm so happy that you finally seen the godfather (laughs) and i'm so looking forward to you to sharing the experience with you moving forward in this show introducing you to some of the best movies that, that you that you've heard of but never seen i look forward to it mate can't wait for sully good on you let's talk next week